bringing our attention to the body, letting our attention relax in the body, being mindful of the various sensations that are predominant in the sitting posture, the sensations possibly at the perimeter of the body or deep within the body. Just having a sense of receiving the various sensations that are arising and passing away. Relaxing the body, knowing the various places where there is tension, tightness, seeing if you can soften around those areas, especially around the eyes and the jaw. They usually give us a signal when we're striving or trying too hard, trying to see, just relaxing around those areas. Noticing the other areas of of the body that need some gentle softening. Relaxing the mind by letting go of any agenda we have for this sitting, other than simply being present with our moment-to-moment experience. And if it's supportive for you to begin with the primary anchor, like the breath or the body, or some of you start with hearing, opening your attention to hearing, please do so. Connecting and sustaining with that primary anchor so that you can feel a smooth flow of the connection between the experience of the breath, for example, and mindfulness, connecting those two. At some point, of course, it's good to open the attention if you start with a primary anchor, opening the attention when you feel a sense of stability to whatever is arising in the field of mindfulness. And some of you may start with this more open attention, knowing whatever is predominant, whatever is in the foreground of your attention. This morning I just want to mention the hindrances that usually arise for everyone. The major hindrances that arise when we begin our practice or a retreat are sloth and torpor and restlessness. 
Sloth and torpor means a sense of sleepiness, or sometimes it can be dullness in the mind, when the mind isn't quite clear about what is being known, can't be so mindful of the object because there's dullness in the mind. It might even be a a sense of physical sleepiness, feeling tired. This is understandable. Not to let it be a problem or that something's wrong with your practice. The first thing we can do is to be mindful of what's going on. See if we can really bring attention to the experience of sleepiness or dullness in the mind. Open your eyes if you're feeling sleepy. Usually bringing the light in to your eyes helps to be more awake. And then there's restlessness. When we feel restless, the body wants to move a lot, or the mind can't stay still on something. It's wandering all the time. It does help to open the attention It can also help to open the eyes at this point. When you open your eyes, you can notice and note seeing, seeing with a soft gaze. When you feel restless, you can also open the attention to hearing. Usually having a bigger field of attention will Help the body and the mind settle down. The other hindrances to be mindful of are attachment or the wanting mind, wanting this to happen, wanting it to be otherwise. It can be aversion, the various forms of aversion, frustration, resistance, not liking what's happening. There can also be doubt, not knowing what to do, not feeling you can get through the sitting, feeling indecisive, confused. All of these experiences arise in our practice for everyone. Not to think that something's wrong with your practice. Whenever a hindrance arises, see if you can just be mindful of it, noting it or labeling it can oftentimes be very helpful. See if you can label it in a very neutral way. Notice the tone of your voice in the labeling, the tone of your quiet voice, your silent voice. See if you can be as balanced as you can with all that arises 
having a sense of being relaxed and gentle with yourself, and yet really clear with what's going on moment to moment. Come back to your primary anchor whenever you need to. Doing the best we can, staying as balanced as we can in our practice, being relaxed yet alert, moment to moment.
Are there any questions about your practice this morning, especially about how to be mindful of the hindrances? Did you experience any hindrances? <laughs> yeah, here's one here. Uh-huh. Your primary object changes. Yeah, and uh-huh. I wonder, is that okay? <laughs> like, if, if I think it's the breath, and then I'm not really able to stay with that, but I can stay with my body better, mm-hmm. and I switch to that, and if that's not really working, then it might be here, and I'm going to open awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good question, because I'm sure it applies to other people, too. So what about if you can't stay with one place that you put your attention on as a primary object, and if that doesn't work, then you go to the breath or you go back to the body. I would say to find which is the best place for you, and it it really is helpful to stay with one place, because if the mind is, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, hindrances can develop around that. Confusion, especially doubt, especially those. So what what is the best of those three places for you? Do you know now? Do you have any sense? I think it's the body. The body, just coming back to the body. Yeah, and when you come back to the body, where in the body? Is there a particular place? Center. Just right in the center there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. So using the body is good, and, and also if there are no obvious sensations there, then you're you're liable to find some sensation like the buttocks touching the seat or even the hands touching, some uh, particular sensation in the body, if not just the sense of the whole body just being here. So see, try to sit with one, one sitting, trying to see if that can work just with the body, because having so many will confuse the mind. But it is necessary to try and find the best one for you if you're particular just starting out in practice. Yeah. Yes? I've had hindrances too, but I've actually had some real positive flows of energy when I was walking, say, in, in meditation. Uh, you know, and I'm just wondering, how do, you, how do you deal with that, and how should you be dealing with it? Flows of energy, particularly in the walking practice. And, and in the sitting today. And in the sitting today. So what did it feel like? Um, Okay, re- pleasant feeling in the body. It's called PT, P-I-T-I. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when any uh, flows of energy come in the body, um, you know, they could be pleasant, they could be unpleasant. Sometimes when you have a lot of pleasant sensation, pleasant feeling too, it can turn into unpleasant. Uh, it's helpful to note it or notice it just as energy. Sometimes we think, oh, this is really good. It's really, th- those are just kind of thoughts that we overlay on them. So notice the difference between when you have a thought, this is positive, that's different than the actual experience of the energy. So that's good to kind of suss them apart um, and be mindful of just the feeling. Bear attention to just the feeling of that energy. It could feel like tingling. It could 
feel like um, uh, air pulsing. You were going like this, so air pulsing upwards, uh, air element kind of doing that. These kinds of experiences are due to air element in the body. Yeah. And so when we look at it that way, they're actually quite neutral. They're, it's just the spin we put on top of it that it's positive or negative. However, we can feel them as pleasant also. There's, and you probably notice that at some point. You use the word positive, but it might be more pleasant. Pleasant, right. So sometimes we notice the physicality of it, which is the energetic feeling of it. And sometimes we notice the pleasant feeling of it, which is more in the mental realm. So there can be pleasant feeling in the body, but it's felt mentally. So notice those three different things. Sometimes the, the words or the, the concept we overlay on it, the thoughts we have about it, one thing, the actual physical feeling is another thing, and the pleasant or unpleasant um, experience tone is another thing. So this is a sign that there, there's good uh, energy coming into your practice, that there's been um, a, a continuity of mindfulness. But one thing to be careful of is that there's a danger when it's pleasant, especially, that there can be attachment to that experience. So notice that, too, if it comes up, that hindrance of attachment. Uh, how can you tell the difference between anxiety, worry, and doubt? How can you tell the difference between anxiety? What is the difference between anxiety, worry, and doubt? Sometimes you can't tell the difference. You know, they're, they kind of all mesh together, anxiety, worry, and doubt. Um, and if you can tell the difference, it's, it's very subjective. It's very unique to each one of us. I would say that uh, for myself, doubt comes as um, some uh, accompanying some um, with doubt are some thoughts like, can I do this, or I can't do this, or I'm not sure that I can do this. Sometimes the thoughts about doubt are, what should I do? Should I, should I stand up or should I sit down? Should I go with the breath or should I um, go with hearing? Uh, indecision is one of the manifestations of doubt. Anxiety for me, it can be a lot in the mind, you know, like worry and anxiety kind of come together a lot for me. And they're usually accompanied by certain thoughts. Um, worry, of course, has worrying thoughts with it, so you kind of can tell. Anxiety uh, also comes in the body, more in the body for me than in the mind, where there's a restlessness that can accompany it. There's a, a feeling like I, I'm going to jump out of my skin with it. So sometimes it matters if you have just the right label to, to whatever you're experiencing, but sometimes it doesn't matter at all. You can, you can name it anxiety, and it could be more like worry, but it, there's just kind of like an objective sense of what it is. And when that happens, when there's a labeling and some objective sense of what it is, even if it's just around that experience, the mind kind of settles down. 
it, it's like when, you, when you've got something going on in your health and you don't know what it is, but finally someone says, oh, it's just anxiety. Oh, you're just worrying about something. Or, oh, you just got a mosquito bite. That's all that that bump is. Somehow, when the mind objectively knows something about it, it can relax a little more. So that's what labeling helps for. Yeah. Back there. Uh-huh. I, I find it very helpful in that it, it's a way of being more present with what's happening right now, but uh, it can also cause my mind to wander a bit more because there isn't a single thing that I'm trying to do. Okay. Looking at the sound, my primary object. Right, right. Okay. Um, I'm more likely to get lost. I, I know that a particular part of it is that when it's a, um, a hindrance, I can focus on it, um, such as anxiety. I find that if I am looking for a hindrance, I can almost always find something, some little. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course. Yeah, so I, I, if I could hear that, I'm guessing everybody could hear. It's about whether to uh, stay more with the primary object or keep it close by and in relationship to opening up the attention. So let me be more clear and, and more precise about that. Uh, if, for example, you find it really helpful to stay with the primary anchor, uh, are you with your breath? Sounds. With sounds, okay. And... Uh, then you're, you're wanting to open your attention. Your attention actually is already open when you're wanting to uh, turn your attention to anything else that is happening with that open attention already. It would be more precise for me to say that when you're with hearing and you're receiving the sounds that are being heard with the noting of hearing, 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 when something else becomes predominant, more predominant than that hearing, then that's when you turn your attention to it. It's not looking for anything. It's more like just staying with the hearing until something else becomes more predominant. And it actually takes your attention there and you, you notice that your attention's already there. Well, then that's when you notice and note and be mindful of that. Um, then maybe something else will call your attention. Say you're with hearing, hearing, and you find your attention now or you find yourself opening to thinking, thinking. Right after that, a sensation occurs in the body and that is more predominant than the thinking. It's more predominant than the hearing. So from thinking, you notice sensation in the body, sensation in the body. And then... After that, what becomes more predominant is aversion, usually to the sensation in the body. And that is the more pre most predominant experience, not hearing, not sensation in the body, not thinking, but it goes to aversion. 
So wherever, basically wherever your attention lands, quite automatically, that's where you open to whatever is predominant. And then when, when nothing is so predominant, you can go back to the primary anger if that's what serves you the best. Yes. I have a question about sleeping. Sleepiness? Or at night. At night, sleeping at night. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and if I had been seated meditation, I would have labeled them stories and then I would have focused on the breath again and I felt like it would have passed and I would have continued and it wasn't passing. It, it, so there were very strong stories that weren't I wasn't un, I wasn't able to I would go back to sleep and they would come right back again. So Right. So when you're when you're in this actual sleeping mode and you're having thoughts and dreams and visions and things like that come up, the mind isn't, of course, as strongly mindful. It's, there's, it's pretty more on the weak side of mindfulness then. So what to do when we're having strong dreams like this and maybe disturbing? Yeah, and disturbing dreams. Uh-huh. Um, you know, during those times for me, it's helpful to actually, if you can, if you've got the energy, sit up. Just sit up, put your pillow against the wall, and relax against the pillow, and do the best you can to just be more awake and alert with with what's going on. Uh, You can note it or label it as thinking more easily then, or um, wandering mind or uh, visioning, and probably you'll notice more clearly whatever anxiety is in the mind-body, or if if, if it feels fearful, you might notice that. It, it's also helpful to sometimes just get up and break, break the cycle. Go get a cup of tea or a glass of water or something like that. Turn on the light a little bit. Open the window and look outside. Just breaking the cycle. But whenever you do that, also, as you're doing that, really notice what the residue of the, that dreaming state has on your body and your mind. It, it might be some residue of still little fearfulness or some like, what was that? Like you're trying to decipher what the dream meant. Be careful not to go to, to that place where you're trying to figure out what the dream meant because that'll start revving up a whole thinking process that will be really hard to let go of later on. Just notice what the residue of that dream had in your body and your mind as far as emotional states and physical states. Yeah. So it's time now, so we can be on time for our uh, interviews. And you're doing really well. Noticed a, a big difference in the stampeding in and out of the hall. <laughs> you're much more quiet. Um, and this is normal how it happens this way. So, But you folks did it quite quickly, actually, being very quiet, yet much more quiet yesterday in, in the hall as well. Thank you for all of your efforts to have a um, caring and supportive community here. 
it really makes a difference. Okay, so have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.